if people are going to, you know, get out of bed and decide to come and play on my team, I need to give them something to look forward to. Well, how do we understand what their emotional currency is and how do we pay them in that currency? Hey, what's happening, everybody? Here we are once again with another awesome episode of the Readily Random Podcast. I am your host, Larry Roberts, and I'm excited today because this episode, we're going to be tackling a topic that is something that's kind of close to me, and that is leadership. And we're going to define leadership and kind of take a closer look at what it is to be a leader. So uh, I'm excited about this one, and I can't wait to introduce you to this week's guest. Michelle Rhinus is a speaker, author, coach, entrepreneur, founder of MDR Coaching and Consulting, and creator of the unconventional badass leader brand. Early in her leadership journey, she was an absolute ass as a boss, oblivious to the impact she was having on people. Perhaps like many of you, she didn't understand how to lead. Michelle looks forward to sharing her thrills of victory and agonies of defeat with a goal of helping you unlock the art of leading like a badass. So Michelle, welcome to the Readily Random Podcast. Gosh, I could listen to your voice all day. Thanks, Larry. That was a great intro. <laughs> <laughs> you just have one of those great voices for radio. So yeah, I wish I could record that and keep it. That was an epic intro. So I'm flattered to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Oh, that's awesome. To me, this is a great episode right out of the gate with compliments like that. Man, <laughs> Can't I'm, go wrong. I'm just along for the ride now. So thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, get the, get the kissing so. up out of the way on the front end. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> You're going live next week, as a matter of fact. You're getting bumped to the front of the line. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, Michelle, it's great having you here. And I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join me for an episode of the podcast. Tell us a little bit more about you. How did you have this epic transformation and how did you suddenly become aware of this situation that required a little change? Yeah, I, I would love to, to take the credit to say that I was intuitive enough to recognize that I was sticking my boot in my mouth all too often, but the credit is mine. It was actually, I suffered a cataclysmic walkout. And so when you're kind of the last dog standing, it's rather obvious that you're the common denominator and you're the problem. And so, yeah, so that's exactly what happened to me. And I call that my hashtag bull ride by fall from grace. And, you know, now that I look back on it, I'm very, very grateful to that team. Thank God they did that. You know, it's, I think it would have been much worse had it been a one at a time kind of departure because I may have blamed them and written it off and not paid attention to it, which unfortunately happens to a lot of my clients. You know, the first place they look is they blame the other person instead of taking a look in the mirror. And, and in my case, there was really no denying the fact that I was the problem. And when we, you know, fail our teams as leaders, you know, I, I certainly, I laugh about my experience and I make light of it because I've survived it, but I don't make light of the fact of the collateral damage that I caused. And when we don't get that right, we impact, you know, how people drive home in traffic, how they engage with their friends and families, their mental, emotional well-being. And so it's really important that we get this leadership stuff dialed in and we get it done right. And so I'm very grateful for that wake up call. And I'm very apologetic for what happened to them at my um you know, ignorance. It was really, you know, Peter, classic Peter principle, right? Promoted to my level of incompetence. I didn't have the leadership skills I needed in order to lead others or lead myself for that matter. Well, it's great to, to hear you as you sit here today and be able to take ownership of the mistakes that you did make. Because yes, from my perspective, I mean, that's the first step in leading 
is understanding that you can't point the finger anywhere else because a friend of mine, as he likes to say, if you point at somebody else, there's always three fingers pointing right back at you. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so, But it's true, you know, and it's interesting because I'll tell you, I, I mentioned before we started recording and the audience knows I left January 4th. I left corporate America. And a few years prior to that happening, I got a new manager in, right? And me and Mr. Manager, we didn't have the best relationship. And we all staged a, a bit of a coup, maybe. We had a little meeting where the entire department, we came together and said, look, we got to help this guy out because obviously he's struggling a little bit, having a hard time. Well, as we're sitting here in this meeting, guess who comes and opens the door to the conference room and goes, oh, here you guys are. And, <laughs> and we're like, oh, hey, boss man, this is great. So needless to say, it backfired on us because then he escalated and took it to the next level. And then we got in trouble for doing the coup in the whole nine yards. So it just backfired just horribly on all of us. And he still maintained that position, which I don't really understand that either. So how is it that this took place and it resonated with you? Because people can see it, right? I mean, you can have your whole department explode in your face and somehow so many of these terrible quote-unquote leaders can still somehow justify the fact that it was all of them and it wasn't me. What helps you realize that maybe I need to do a little soul searching? Well, it was very obvious for me right away when everybody just, you know, I had a spokesperson that chose to speak on behalf of the group to really let me know where I could stick it and what they thought of me. So there was really no denying the fact. So, so in other words, when he walked in on your supposed coup, yeah, you know, you know, the, the voice in the room on how do we give this guy feedback? How do we give this guy feedback in a way that comes from a place of caring about him, caring about our team and caring about the organization and what's the right way to approach that. Right. So th that can be tricky, but in my case, this is where the challenge is. You started to, you asked me a question about, you know, how do leaders, you know, not, not recognize that maybe they're bad bosses, right? So in, in my answer for that, again, my opinion is that they're measuring their success based on the wrong metrics. Oh, okay. So in my case, when I was in that position and um, then suffered that walkout, if you were to look at my results, my team's results on paper, let's say you're sitting in the ivory tower at corporate, and you're looking at executive reports and you're seeing that month over month, we are killing it. We are getting it done. And you really don't question it. And as the manager, if that's the metric I'm measuring my success based on is, are we performing? Are we getting sales? You know, are we taking, are we getting our, our stuff done? Right. Then, then I think my scorecard, I'm winning and my team is winning. And so I think I, I'm making the assumption, everybody should be happy. We're all good. Hey team, we're winning. Right. When the reality is, is there's a lot more to that, you know, because I was a prioritizer of performance over people until I had my wake up call. And then I recognized that, wait a second, if people are going to, you know, get out of bed and decide to come and play on my team, I need to give them something to look forward to. And I'm not talking about the touchy feely, hug it out kind of stuff. Uh, but there are soft skills, what I call badass leader skills on, you know, how do we connect with people? How do we understand what their emotional currency is and how do we pay them in that currency? Maybe it's time, maybe it's development, maybe it's, you know, understanding what their end game is and helping, helping them get there, right? Coaching, recognition. So, you know, it's how do, how do we become epic coaches? How do we develop ourselves? I liked how you said right away, you jump right into lesson two which, you know, lesson one is don't be an ass. 
in the book, right? So it seems kind of obvious, but you'd be, I mean, you're, you're not surprised, right? How many asses there are out there that are oblivious no, to the all. fact that they're an ass. They actually think they're rock stars. Yes. And, and no one will tell them any different, you know, unfortunately, because it's a scary thing, right, to give that feedback. But then lesson two, the, the first thing I did after recognizing that I was the problem and accepting the fact that, hey, I need to figure this leadership thing out if I'm going to remain in with the title of, of being a leader. And that is stop, drop, take a selfie. So you were exactly right that the first place we get to look is in the mirror and really understand ourselves. You know, what's working for me as a leader? Um, what isn't? What do I need to do differently? What type of feedback can I gather regularly, not just annually? about how I'm doing as, as a coach, because if you're a leader, you're a coach. And if you're not coaching, maybe you should rethink about being in a leadership position because that's what leadership is. It's understanding yourself, understanding your people and understanding who you get to be for them in order to maximize their performance success or their development, right? Yeah, so that's, you know, my belief is we need to change the metric and it needs to be, for me, it was uh, prioritizing people over performance. Because at the end of the day, they're the ones who are implementing the processes, delivering the brand experiences, handling the customers. They're driving sales performance and revenue for the organization. They're on the front lines. They, you know, and if you tap into that as a badass leader, then you can extrapolate their intellectual property in a way that has them get their DNA into the business. To me, that's the highest form of engagement you can hope for, especially for those of you um, that are listeners, that are entrepreneurs. You know, and I was very top down, you know, my my brand, my company, my way, my title, you know, and, you know, if you want robots, that's what you're going to get. But don't expect them to be engaged and don't don't expect them to play. They're not going to play as if their name's on the sign out front. Right. So it's it's a matter of who do we get to be as the leaders in order to have them feel like it's their company. Are you seeing in your experience this generation that we're in now, are you seeing a downward trend as far as real, what I would consider real leadership goes? Are, are we seeing fewer and fewer leaders and more and more uh, robot directors? We'll call it that because they're looking to, to just direct these robots. You do this, you do that. you And they're not necessarily leaders. Are you seeing more or less of that these days? You know, I would say that I wouldn't say I'm seeing more or less. I'm seeing that it's always been a challenge. You know, it's if you really think about like in your history, you said you were in corporate America for over 20 years. How many truly badass leaders did you report to during that tenure versus how many mediocres? During that time, really badass leaders, probably two. Yeah. You know, and that's how long was your career in corporate America? <laughs> Just in one company, it was 21 years. And then before that, I spent, I don't know, four or five years at, at two other companies. So, you know, 25, 26 years total. I would definitely say that in all of that time, maybe two and maybe one's escaping me, but he wouldn't or she wouldn't escape me if, if it left an impression. So I'll say I'll stick to two. Yeah, I'll stick to two. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I come up against. Right. So as a coach, I go into organizations and typically the irony of it is I'm usually called in by the, the C-suite or owners that say, hey, I need you to come in and like train my people. You know, it's a wreck over here. You know, they're a disaster. I need you to come fix my team. <laughs> and how much would that cost? <laughs> and it's so the first place we start is in the C-suite start with the executive team. It's, it's, you know, that that's their report card. If their people are the problem, it's actually that they're the problem. And so that's where the focus needs to begin. And then that's where we get the multiplier and the maximizer, the trickle down, right? 
And so that's uh, that's what I get really stoked about doing and, and helping leaders, you know, identify what's working, what's not working, what they need to do differently. And then they get to build that badass team. And I help them, you know, through these 12 leadership lessons and a lot of other expanded tools within that to help them get there, help them develop those competencies and help them be willing to look into the mirror, which there's a lot of ego out there, as I'm sure you've come across in, in your tenure. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. But just like when I go to Orange Theory a couple of times a week, I go three times a week and it's that their, their adage is get comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, help me understand that because you, you what, what is Orange? Did I hear that right? Orange Theory? It's a fitness, Orange Theory Fitness. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's a little workout thing. And one of the coaches there in the morning, I go half asleep. I get there at five in the morning, three days a week. And, and on the wall, it's, you know, it's get, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's, you know, to sure. me, that's what being badass is, whether it be personally or, or professionally, and certainly as a leader, comfort zone is not your, is not your, you know, powerhouse. That's not your growth wheel, right? So it's, you know, asking for that tough feedback. It's being willing to, to own the mistakes. If someone on your team made a mistake, a lot of times I'll say, well, uh, I'll, I'll talk to you. Um, an owner and they'll say, well, you know, Larry over here, you know, was, you know, I, I'm just really frustrated with him. He's just, uh, you know, he's just not um, committed. He's not this, he's, he's, you know, his, he's not improving in his skill sets. And so I go, great. So how are you supporting him? What type of feedback are you getting? <laughs> did you talk to my uh, previous manager before you came on the show? You're like, you did a little homework, didn't you? You're like, let me talk to this guy right <laughs> I here. I sure did. Get the I got the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, so so again, it goes, no, but it just goes back to the leader on what is it that you're doing to support your, your team? You know, who do you get to be for Larry that's going to be different than who you get to be for Michelle? Because we're not the same person and we need different things and we have different skill gaps and we have different competencies and we have different needs as to how we like to be communicated with and how we like to be coached. And so it's really about developing the capacity of the leader. And when that leader is developed and really embraces the idea of becoming an Epic coach, which is where I should have invested a long time ago when I was in corporate America for 34 years, then suddenly it becomes easy. Leadership becomes fun. It becomes easy. And then the team really starts to fall into to, when I say formation, I'm talking like musketeer formation, that all for one, one for mindset. And that's all cultivated by the workplace culture that the leaders, you know, um, are responsible for. So that, you know, leadership should be fun and it should be fun to be on a team. Even if there are crazy goals, it's a lot more fun to have fun while trying to crush those goals. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it definitely improves your odds of, of having a chance of attaining them or even beating them. So something that interests me is like timeline. You know, if you come in and you identify some discrepancies in leadership, what's the timeline there where you come in and you implement your new policies, procedures, approaches, whatever it may be, strategies? How long does it take for those to start taking root? And how long does it take this new leadership mentality and leadership environment to really take root and start show some changes in the environment that, that it's in? It, a lot of it depends on the mindset. You know, if the mindset is, let's say I'm coaching you within your company and let's say you're a small, a small business, obviously the trickle down is going to create results a lot faster. If your mindset is in the place of, wow, 
I, you know, I get it. I understand that I, I'm 100% responsible for everything that happens within my organization and within my people, because at the end of the day, if it's to be, it's up to me, then it gets, it, we can make week over week headway very quickly. But if you're the type of manager, I'm not going to say leader, that is resist, argumentative, defensive, not open to coaching. First off, I'll probably break up with you or fire you as a client because I don't want to take your money if you're not going to do the work, right? It's like, why, why spend both of our wheels? And, and I want to maximize return on investment. So you have, it has to be a, a partnership. But, but then, you know, once they get out of their way and they can shift then a lot of people, depending on their personality profiles, will accelerate through it very quickly. In my case, you know, there was no denying it. And then I was on the fast track to go, oh my gosh, what can I consume? What do I need to do to figure this leadership thing out so that I don't create this kind of collateral damage again? You know, and so I, and back then, I mean, to date myself, this was back in 1990, 1991. So it was a long time ago and it was still very top down and still quite autocratic then. And there wasn't a whole hell of a lot out there as far as resources go. I think I got um, Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits. I picked up Ken Blanchard's One Minute Manager and another one that that I should still have today uh, called Shut Your Mouth, which was really a good one (laughs) for me. I I need that one. Yeah, I needed it, right? (laughs) And so those are like the three books that I just dug into, but I really had to kind of push up my sleeves and figure out how do I cobble this together on my own? Because it wasn't like today where you could just pick up and call, you know, badassleader.com and, hey, can you give me help? What would it take for you to come in? And, yeah, I I didn't have that. We didn't have that then. And uh, so, yeah, it's the fast track is a a mindset track, right? If you're willing, if you come in and you have the mindset, you know, we can give you the tools and resources or, or the mechanics on how to get there. And then you get to go out there and accelerate and make, you know, check ins. I look at leadership the same as life support. You know, if you're in the ICU, you know, you have to check vitals. And in an ICU, they're checking vitals every 15 minutes. In leadership, how often are we checking our vitals to see, you know, are we still, you know, are we still getting it right? Just because we were a good leader for the past six months, have we, have we lost our, our edge? Have we lost our connection? Have we changed our focus? So it's something I recalibrate often as an entrepreneur, as a leader, and certainly as a coach. And then I um, have my clients do the same. You know, that recalibration, getting that regular feedback, being open to it, creating the right workplace culture, keeping your finger on the pulse of the, you know, of the wellness of your organization is really, really important. It's a lot of fun. And it, boy, does it pay dividends when it comes to margin performance. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, you're, you're spot on there with you know, how often do we evaluate our progress there? I mean, what do we get reviews once a year? We, if we get that, you know, it, during my tenure, we very rarely got reviews. You got an email that said, fill out this review. And then <laughs> you review yourself and they go, yeah, I guess you're not too cool. You know, you're, you're not too nice to yourself. So here, I'll sign that, you know, but there, there's no opportunity to really sit down and have these growth conversations and understand from both perspectives. Because even then, even if you get a review, who's reviewing your reviewer? Who's reviewing your manager? You as a collective, not even as you as an individual, because you're gonna within groups, you're gonna have personality conflicts. So you may have an employee that doesn't really see eye to eye with the manager, no matter who they are, whether they're a leader or not, they still may not buy into what they're selling. But even as a collective, even as a department or a group or whatever it may be, there's no opportunity to review those in the leadership positions. So you're looking to the leaders above them to do the same thing. 
And if that happens for the employees, maybe once a year, how often is it happening for upper management? Yeah, well, in my role in corporate America, we did um, reverse evaluations as well. So if you reported to me, you would self-evaluate, I'd evaluate you, and then we'd sit down and have what's called an alignment conversation to kind of talk about, do we agree, do we disagree, are there any gaps? And then have some dialogue with some examples around, you know, maybe we're disconnected on one of the areas and I tell you, you know, here's my experience and then you tell me yours and you may sway me and it might change my number. Or uh, you might go, hey, you know what, I completely forgot I did that and you're right and then you change your number. It's really a coming together and an alignment for you. I'm not going down. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm <laughs> not. I'm not going down. No. <laughs> You're digging those no. heels in. I, I want four percent this year. Damn it! I, I'm not settling <laughs> for the average three. Give me four. I'm not going down. So anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. So and, and then after that, then you do the same thing with my team. I had them do a manager evaluation. You know, it's important for me not only to have that. This is more of the formal one year evals. Yeah. But I I have one on ones when I was in corporate America. I had weekly one on ones with my director reports. And in that one-on-one every single week, I'd always ask the question, what does support look like for you, for me, you know, and because we, that's that recalibration that's weekly week over week. I can adjust that in real time and I can have a tremendous impact on accelerating outcomes for them as well as for the organization and the team. And so if, so that to me is the best thing that, that you can do is become an Epic coach. And to say, say that about coaching, this is what was interesting for me. When I left corporate America and decided to start my own um, leadership brand, which is the MDR brand, and the first thing I did was went out and got certified as a coach. And then when I went to my coaching certification, I, I went to a, an immersion program, and then I took all this other um, coaching training. I was like, oh, my God, I should have had that years ago it would have made my life so much better if i had that coaching skill set underneath my belt as a leader oh shouldn't everybody have that i mean if we're managing people it just makes it easier it makes it better it just takes it to a completely different level and by the time i left corporate america i had really peaked out and and done a great job i would say i'd hit, hit kind of my uh my stride on leadership, right? I had really large teams. I think my team at the time was around 165 with my external internal teams. And I was responsible for half a billion dollars in assets and a massive sales uh, force. And, you know, I construction, work with construction and facilities. And I mean, you name it, soup to nuts. And then I, I walked away from, from corporate America, started my own company. I thought, oh my God, you know, that skill set would have saved me and, and really helped me be so much more successful at managing all of those people. And so it would have made it so much better. So my invitation for people is to really think about, you know, how, how do you accelerate your ability as a coach, particularly if you have aspirations of being in a leadership position or currently in a leadership position. And if you're in a startup, get those skill sets under your belt as quickly as possible. It helps you negotiate everything, all of your um, third-party relationships, all of your partnerships that you're going to have. You know, coaching is a, is a tremendous, to me, it's a skill set that's necessary just to be in business, in my opinion. Yeah, just understanding people, understanding those around you at different levels of the team, being able to coach and understand the intricacies of that position is, is very, very beneficial. Yeah, and getting comfortable, right? Getting giving feedback. So especially when it comes to critical feedback. 
That's the thing, man. You mentioned ego earlier. You know, ego tends to get in the way so many times, and that way—that's what makes it so difficult to have that two-way conversation. Yes, to give that constructive feedback because a lot of leaders or a lot of managers. Let's back that up. You did the same thing earlier, so I'm going to take your cue and I'm going to back that up to say a lot of managers. They have that ego, well, I'm the manager, you know? I've had another manager come in one time, new manager. He goes, well, you are, you know, my subordinate. <laughs> and I said, hold the phone, bro. <laughs> we did. We just met. I'm nobody's subordinate. I understand that you're in a position of authority, and I respect your position. But that's a title that is not going to work out for me. So it's pretty surprising that I lasted 21 years at one company because I did tend to let people know when I disagreed with their stance. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but, but I don't know, it, it helped me in some arenas and it definitely hurt me in other arenas, but letting people know your stance can be a challenge. So how do you, you know, as you were talking, I couldn't help but think of the two Bobs from office space. They come in and they're doing these evaluations and they're sitting everybody down and they're having the conversations. I'm sure you've seen Office Space, right? I haven't. You haven't seen Office Space? No. Oh, no. So I'm going to have to write oh that my down. God. And... Watch Office Space. Okay, it is, I'm taking notes. It's corporate America. Notes. It's, it's the pinnacle of corporate America comedy. It's just everything about it. Okay, so great. <laughs> the, the, this company has these two consultants come in. Both of their names happen to be Bob. So they're called the two Bobs. <laughs> and they're interviewing every employee and every manager. And, of course, they're looking to make cuts. And everybody's scared to death about the whole situation. And a lot of people are resistant. So I can't help but imagine that when you come in, that same level of resistance exists at various levels. How do you, as the badass leader, come in and overcome those hurdles, overcome those objections, put everybody at ease and actually start to move forward with the progress that you're trying to implement? Well, I think it comes down to a foundation of trust needs to be established because it's really hard to operate from a place of fear and for people to, you know, tell you what's really going on if, if they fear you or fear repercussions. And so the goal if for me when I go into an organization is to help that organization help themselves. So I'm there to help them come up with the very solutions that are going to take them, you know, to the Super Bowl or put their team on the podium. It's not really, I'm not a grave digger. My goal isn't to go um, in for the kill. My goal is to go in and help them teach them how to win and teach them how to win as a team. And as a matter of fact, when I was in corporate America, one of my absolute most favorite things, and I was called upon frequently to do, were turnarounds, where we would have an underperforming asset and a team, call it kind of the bad news bears that was really struggling, and people had given up on them. And then they brought me in and, and I was you know asked to come in and see what I could do with the team. And this wasn't as a consultant, this was as, as an operational leader. And so I would go in and, you know, and this isn't in, in the book, but I would go in and really help them, you know, clean their windshield and help them discover their, their, their potential and their greatness because no one believed in them. And yes, there are sometimes we got to vote people off our island and there were a few of those. And, but, but my goal wasn't to go in there and start chopping heads off. My goal was to go in there and learn and learn very quickly. I mean, the fastest turnaround I ever did was 45 days. And, and, and that was a very large team at the time. I, th I think at the team it was around 50 to 100. So, you know, 45 days to turn around a team and then be standing around a table, you know, toasting in champagne 45 days later and celebrating as a team and, 
you know, it was just a very exciting, you know, thing. And what I did is I just went in, my role was to teach him how to win and, and teach him how to play as a team. And so I think that's all of our roles and responsibilities if we're going to wear the hat of leadership. If you want to be a manager, then go in and tell people that they're your subordinate. But if you want to be a leader, you go in and you, you teach them how to win and teach them how to get on the podium. You put your people on the podium, not yourself. I'm just going to hit that a little bit harder. Don't tell anybody that they're that your subordinate. Yeah, let's just let's just let's just put that out there. You're not my subordinate. You're subordinate. <laughs> oh my god, that is so yeah. Yeah, that's just not it's just I mean, where do you go after that? I mean, that just says a lot about the 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 manager that said that to you because they clearly aren't a leader. I mean, we're partners. I'm not worried about titles. We're, we're in this together. We're in the same boat. We're rowing in the same direction. 100%. And my goal is, yeah, my goal is to help you win because when you win, I win. Exactly. And that's how it works. That's what leaders, that's what badass leadership is all about. That's what leaders do. They lead, man. It's that simple. They lead. Yeah. And they coach. Yeah. You've got a captain of a team. You know, there's a captain of every sports team out there. It doesn't matter what sport it is. You have a captain of the team. Maybe there's a different word for it, but each team has a leader, has someone in a leadership role. And guess what? They play just as hard, if not harder than you do. And everybody works together as a collective to get that team to accomplish their objective, whether that's to win a championship or whether it's to whatever it may be, even just win a particular a game, yeah, one encounter, just win that one thing. Yeah. But as a whole, as a unit, as a team, and that's what I think it just gets so as lost musketeers. On, as musketeers. Yeah. One for all and all for one. That's right. That's my favorite kind of culture. And, and those cultures can exist. I've actually had on one of my other shows I was on, we were talking about that and they're like, well, I'm in a corporate culture that's, you know, really negative and there's just no way that, that we could ever have a musketeer culture. That's a nice idea, but it'll never happen. And I call BS. I mean, if you're in a department, you can create a musketeer culture. You don't have to own the company or run the company. Who do you get to be to the people that report to you? And then how, how do you develop your own coaching skills to where you can manage up and maybe influence up and influence across your peer, across your peer relationships as well? We buy into the BS and we don't take responsibility to figure out who do I get to be based on all these different levels up the channel, across the channel, outside the organization. And then internal to the organization to my team. And so we have we have the power to do all of that. And the rest of it is just excuses. If you're in a toxic culture that's truly toxic, find a new boat. That's fine. But if you're going to stay in the culture, then be the change. You know, I mean, I'd love to say that I came up with that, but it, that's not my so the ultra famous saying. It's not mine. No, but I'll, I'll, I'll uh, use it every day. I love it. I love it. So, Michelle, tell us about From Bad to Badass Leader. That's your book, obviously, that you've written us. Yes. Written us. You, well, you did write it for us, so we, let's just run with that. You wrote it just for us. So, <laughs> so tell me more about it, man. Yes, From Bad to Badass Leader is an autobiography of lessons learned. So it's my leadership journey. And I tried to, you know, once I left corporate America, I looked back and I thought, wow, I ended up going through all of these bumps and bruises and this kind of evolution of leadership going from manager to, you know, starting to crawl and then trying to figure out how to finally peek out and, and arrive as and build amazing badass teams and, and turnarounds. And so the book is really the story of lessons. So there are 12 leadership lessons. They're, they're colorful. There's a lot of humor. It's, you know, it's designed for the everyday leader. It's not the traditional white collar buttoned up corporate methodology on leadership. So if traditional leadership doesn't fit your vibe, 
come on home, baby, we got you. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's really a book of stories. So I I tell stories and give examples. And then each of the lessons, there are toolboxes on the website on badassleader.com that go with each one. If you really want to amplify or accelerate, remember you asked that question about how long does it take? depends. It's kind of like if you're going to try and build a car and you've got three tools, it's probably going to take you a while. But if you tap into a bigger toolbox, then you can really accelerate and get there a lot faster. And then if you leverage support, then that accelerates it as well, right? So it, it really depends upon anyone can can DIY with the book. There are 12 leadership lessons and 12 built-in treasure hunts where they do their own work. Yeah. Yeah. So with each lesson, then it, then we turn the mirror on you and then you get to answer some questions. And so you can do it that way. So if you're on a budget, you know, go, go the book DIY and then go to the website, look at some of the, refor- the resources that are on there. And then it, you can invest in different toolboxes. You're like, hey, I'm going to tackle the selfie thing. Cause right. Remember they said that we needed to start there first. And so I'll tackle toolbox number two. And that's, you know, that's like a nice lunch or, or, or a somewhat of a cheap date. You know, it's not a big investment. I won't break the bank, <laughs> but you're worth it. It is. It's not, yeah, it's not, it. it's not a huge investment and people don't understand how uh, much of a return on that investment, how they maximize return on investment when they invest in their self and their own development, because it's an accelerator to everything. Everyone who reports to you improves when you improve. Right. And it improves your ability to move up within the organization and scale your own career path and scale your business or your department. So it's the it's the best direct way to maximize return on investment is to invest in a leader and my passionate opinion. (laughs) And and I love that. I love the passionate opinion that you have. People need to be more passionate about their opinions, especially if they're kind of rooted in fact a little bit, too. You know, I mean, that helps. But so you have that experience. You wrote the book based on your experiences. And I think there are so many life lessons in situations just like that, that we can all learn from. Experience is a phenomenal teacher. So absolutely. And we have a lot of other things, too, that are fun. I built out during the pandemic. I didn't sit and eat bonbons, thankfully, but I did gain some weight because, yeah, I wasn't active enough. Yeah, I. But what I did do is I spent time writing a a leadership academy. So we have Badass Leader Academy has over 500 lessons on it. They're all video. They're between six and seven minutes a lesson. They're interactive. They're super cool. That's low hanging fruit, minimal investment for people. And then for the adventurous folks that like to go out, when we can marry the three things of people work and play, it's an accelerator to outcomes. And so we do boot camps. So we do, we'll go into organizations and do either one day boot camp. Some of them want one lesson every month for 12 months. And then sometimes we bolt on adventures. Like we'll go and rent side-by-sides and go down to Baja uh, for the weekend and do, you know, where we bring people together, we do some work and then we go out and play. And then the team leaves and they just had a great time and they've learned a lot and their relationships are strong. And I think right now with so many people and organizations shifting to, not going back into the office and keeping remote workers. I think those type of experiential engagements tacked on with learning and and people connections are going to be kind of the new trend. And I think they're a really smart investment because you're going to save on brick and mortar. You're going to have less work, you know, drama at work. There's a lot of things that you're going to benefit from investing in in your people and, and create those opportunities for people to come together and 
and do some work and you have an opportunity to connect and to play, I think that that's an absolute accelerator to winning outcomes. Very cool. Well, Michelle, tell us where everybody can find more information about you and your book. Yes, please visit us at badassleader.com. And more importantly, I want them to download some free gifts. I have uploaded the don't be an ass lesson so they can read lesson one because that's most important, right? We got to start there because the lessons do stack, by the way. You can't jump and go, hey, I'm going to go build a badass team. I'm going to read lesson six, right? But you're an ass and you don't, you're not self-aware and that you don't build trust. You know, you can't jump to lesson six without doing one through five. So lesson one will be your appetizer. And if they go to badassleader.com forward slash readily random, they'll be able to download some goodies from fun screensavers to the first lesson of the book and some other good stuff on there. Very cool. Very cool. I love it when we have those gifts for the audience. That is awesome. Thank you for setting that up. I had no idea until just this very moment. So that's very cool. I appreciate (laughs) it. You know, it's funny though. I did see something and I want to commend you for it. I saw that you were doing a lot of homework before you came on the show. Yes. You liked the readily random Facebook page. You followed me over on LinkedIn all of that tremendous. I did take note of that. I saw that. I was like, oh, this is cool. This lady right here, she is, she's, she's getting prepped to come on the podcast. So I appreciate you doing that. Thank you so much. Oh, you bet. And you know, I'll share it out to my, to my network of followers on LinkedIn, Facebook, across all Instagram, everything. And so people can connect with us there too. Facebook, it's Badass Leader 12. Same thing on Instagram. And then LinkedIn, it's just my name. So Michelle D. Rhinus. And, uh, and we, we love to hear from you. So shoot us your questions, connect with us, follow us, let us know what, what type of content you're interested in. We just want to help. Thank you so much, Michelle. I appreciate every minute of it. Well, and good luck with your renovation. And thank thanks, you so- for, thanks for the time. <laughs> thank you so much. This has been chaos for the last two weeks and I am wore out. I'm done. I'm ready just to have my bathrooms done so I can move on. <laughs> Well, it'll be great. But thank you once again, Michelle. I appreciate it. All right, Larry. Take care. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.